guys. This is Whiskey Web and Whatnot. Since I do the exact same intro every time, I'm changing it up. But I'm still here. It's me, Robbie Wagner, with Charles W. Carpenter III. And we're just chilling. It's just us this time. You know, by saying that and doing that, what you said initially is now a lie. What do you mean? I do the same intro every time, except this one. Which now I don't do the same intro. Just want to point that out. I don't get it. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I changed it a little. I always I always say like, what's up, everybody? This is another whiskey web and whatnot. Yeah. Like the same thing. Mm-hmm. Something to be said for consistency. <laughs> yeah. I'm unwrapping a label, which get going. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, this one was hard to get open the top, if that's what you were trying to do. Mm. So, Okay. Yeah, I just got past the plastic. Um, you know what? I, I think what it is is you should have had a man helping you. Just kidding. No, it just reminds me like what you said in needing to give it a little more. It's one of the things that I still always have to do. What is it? Open the jars. Open jars, open the caps to things <laughs> all the time. That's yep. It's a husband's job, I guess. Yeah, so ever can get it open. Right. <laughs> so today we're having Blue Run Kentucky Straight Cask Strength Rye Whiskey, uh, 106 proof, compared to I think their normals in 92. The internet has no idea what kind of mash bill it is, but we know it's it's the holiday batch. Yeah, it's a holiday batch. It's uh, high rye. What bottle number are you? Um, where do we got that? Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, let's see here. It was bottled on 11421 and 2548. No, bottled 2325. Which one are you? 2326. So we're bottle buddies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oddly enough, they just grabbed <laughs> two right off the shelf since we ordered about the same time. Yeah. That would make sense. So, yeah, we don't know too much else about this. It's a secret. Uh, it, we don't know which distillery it was bottled in, but it's in Bardstown, which makes like a few like Heaven Hill. Uh, KBD is there, which is like Willet, essentially. Um, who else is right in Bardstown? So we think someone made this and then Blue Run bottled it. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So Blue Run is like basically subbing out. They do a bunch of marketing, do barrel picks. And have someone else take care of the uh, heavy lifting and aging and storage and stuff. Hmm. You know, maybe on the offhand that they could have someone else produce it, but like they provide a mash bill and stuff. Like, here's my recipe, that kind of thing. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure the entry on Sealbox says something about all of that. (laughs) Have you confirmed that you've said it correctly yet? Yeah. Bach. Yeah. Bach. You did. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I think in the last episode that we recorded, I was uh, referencing that pronunciation from like a candy from when I was growing up. But that candy was Brock's, not box. I've been uh, corrected mm. by my own memory. I'm going to give it a little smell while you do that. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It doesn't say, I found the gift set. Let me see if I can find the not gift set. A little black pepper on this on the smell and on first taste. What was it they uh, called that when you um, you like prime your palate or something? The first drink is supposed to uh, get all the saliva to the surface. 
So you like keep it in your mouth a little longer. Yeah, just coating your tongue, right? Or chewing your whiskey. Chewing your whiskey. That is the term. I like that. All right, so I chewed a little, and I get a little black pepper from that chew. So let's see if it changes. Hmm. I get a little, like, dried apricot. Hmm. And something, like, musty at the finish for me. I don't know. Right? Yeah. It's a little musty. Yeah. Trying to get those first flavor notes before that hits me and I'm having trouble. Yeah. Now that it's it's made its appearance, it's uh, it's a little hard to get past. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's got a little sweetness and some kind of fruitiness, like on the immediate hit of your tongue. But then, yeah, it's really like spicy and black peppery and that little bit of mustiness, and can't really tell you what's going on. Yeah, something else there. It's almost like it reminds me of like the smell of wet leaves in the fall, you know, like wet, dry leaves a little, I don't know. Yeah. That's my, it's the visual that came to mind. Yeah. I'm getting a little bit of leather on the finish, I think too. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the bitterness. Pretty complex. I'm not sure how I feel about it though. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know, like I'm not educated enough to know what makes it taste certain ways, but this feels like rushed to me or something like not aged enough. Mm. I don't know. I'm getting some, what I would classify as youngness. I think could be some of that too. Like whatever's in the mash bill. And that's kind of like coming, coming up a little too much, uh, grain or something, Mm -hmm. which would be like not aged enough. Oftentimes I wonder too, though, like some of these, um, I hadn't really thought about this before, but another way to like, well, first of all, give us some, uh, diversity in what we're reviewing, but we could like come back to some also. Cause like sometimes they need a little time to open up mm-hmm. You know, you come back, like you give them a week or a month or something, you come back and it changes a little bit. So maybe that is something this would benefit from. Cause as of right now, I'm not sure. Like I don't hate it. I think it's a little weird, but I'm like three, four tentacles. Like I'm almost like give, bumping it to four because it's interesting at least and not just like, mm-hmm. you know, Bernie and peppery or something, but like, but that mustiness, whatever that thing is, is kind of turning me off about it. Like it's different, but it's also like uh, maybe not great. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree. I'm a little bit middle of the road around a four, I think, but it's, it's disappointing because I'm fine with drinking a four. Four is okay, but it's, this special holiday one that was like not cheap. So I would have expected more out of it. And maybe that's why it has these weird flavors. Like maybe they thought those were interesting and people would like those. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. It is a little bit disappointing because I feel like a lot of things about it were going to be good. Like the Bard, I mean, Bardstown distilleries, it's usually pretty good stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's coming through a smaller producer doing different or new stuff. You know, who's to say who's at fault there? But uh, TBD on that one, I think. Yeah. I'm going to go with four. I feel good about that. I don't want to completely crap on people's work. Yeah. Seems like there's uh, some things that go into this um, and they're not trying to like basically just paint over it with maple syrup. So. Right. I'll say four. Yeah, I agree. I think on branding, like seven like this is a nice looking bottle yeah you know i would like to see more from this distiller like see what they've got in store other than the holiday one yeah branding solid seven on branding 
it looks premium in a way. Like it's a nice different shaped bottle. It's got like that mm-hmm. butterfly thing glued to it. Yeah. So I guess if we're, we just started rating on marketing then or appeal, visual appeal, then, Hey, they've got that going. Yeah. You know what it probably is? They didn't use the right mineral water. <laughs> That's why it's got the mustiness. I don't know. I mean, they're in Bardstown. They're in the heart of it. They're supposed to be getting that Kentucky (laughs) limestone water. The New York one must be better than I guess. (laughs) Oh, wow. Fighting words. (laughs) I think, but uh, we can Pepsi challenge that at some point in the future. Yeah, definitely. Just spilled water on myself. So apparently, (laughs) uh, you know, half an ounce in is just too much. You're cut off. Maybe we should move on to tech. So solid. We're going to go four tentacles for me. Yep. Same for me. All right. Four tentacles it is. Yeah. I mean, for tech, I mean, this whole thing is just thrown together. But like this stuff I've been working on recently, um, I've been spending a lot of time with Embroider and Ember 4 over the past, like, I don't even know how many months. It feels like a year, Mm -hmm. but I think it's only been three to six months, maybe. And it's been really not fun because basically, you know, Ember wants to move the core framework along. So they're like working on releasing it and then like embroiders the new build tool, which uses Webpack behind the scenes and ultimately solves a lot of problems. But dropping them and making them the defaults breaks like every add-on that exists. So like you can't just release the new version of the framework if everyone building apps is stuck, right? So Mm -hmm. I've been spending all this time trying to update everything. And finally, like I've been working directly with uh, Ed Faulkner from the core team and getting like liquid fire, liquid wormhole, liquid tether, liquid everything working (laughs) with everything. Mm. That's been fun. You're just supposed to turn it all into a card stack app and and it'll be fine. I don't know if that's how it works, but... uh, (laughs) I have no idea how it works either. Maybe we should have Ed on here sometime and and, uh, he can explain it for us a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, I know that it's uh, integrated blockchain now. And so it's Web3, maybe like a D app kind of thing or something like that now, which is also very confusing to me. So happy to like (laughs) get someone else on in the space talking about building apps in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to people that were working there and like, they could explain it enough to be like, okay, I kind of know what I'm working on, kind of how it works. But like, yeah, everyone is very relatable to Web3 in general, where it's like, it's new, no one knows how it works, except for the people that like made it, right? So, right, yeah. Yeah. And then for them, it's like an echo chamber of like, it totally makes sense. That's right, it came out of my brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, in non-Ember news... The new hotness, which we've mentioned a little bit, is uh, Astro. I guess it's not Astro.js. It's like Astro.build because hmm. oh, okay. it's somehow, I don't really know the story. I've just heard of it, so started playing with it and did not educate myself. But I think it's affiliated with Snowpack and like the people that did that. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of always forget now because there's all these new things sort of popping up and, and they do have the uh, like correlating sub libraries or something. I wasn't sure if it was Snowpack or uh, Vite. Isn't Vite another like 
build utilities kind of thing. Yeah, I think it actually does use Vite. Okay, under the hood, but I believe like the org that it at least was under at one point was like Snowpack slash Astro or something. Like it was like an experiment that came out of the Snowpack team. And they don't quote me on that because I could be a hundred percent wrong. Mm. Well, it's going to be on the internet, so it's pretty much over. <laughs> You're quoted. Yeah, I wonder. Astro. I mean, they have a they're just called Astro Technology Company. I'm just looking up some information on the internet. Yeah, just with Astro. So I'm not sure. Or maybe I got it. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So there's with Astro slash Snowpack. Oh. Maybe I got it backwards. The Astro team made Snowpack, and then I guess realized they liked Vite better. (laughs) (laughs) Could completely be that as well. So hard to say. But then Vite versus SWC then, I mean, are those, those are different, right? Like, Yeah, I, I don't really know what all the different things do. There's a whole bunch of things in the same category, but I don't really even know the definition of that category. It's kind of like... It speeds up your builds, right? But it's like, I think also for making the smallest builds you can, like at least in the the case of Astro, right? it's more about doing things at build time and like basically deleting all of your JavaScript so that you just ship like HTML. Like if you had like a for loop in your template, so like normal, or I guess in like React land, you would map it, but you know, whatever, like you're going over values and displaying a bunch of list values or something. Right. So it would ship just all of those values as like LIs. Yes. Instead of actually executing the JavaScript and generating them, it would just do all that first and then ship all the generated stuff. Yeah. So essentially it's a static site generator. Mm-hmm. It's like a way to get the nice things about JavaScript frameworks that you're used to like from a developer experience perspective. It gives you all of that, but then you only ship like what people used to make web apps out of, you know, 10 years ago. It's just like HTML and CSS and that's it. There's no frameworks. Like you might use a little JavaScript if there's like, you know, specific things you need to do that require JavaScript, but maybe like for your analytics on the page or something like that. Yeah. And um, minimal interactivity, like animations, like animating on scroll or stuff like that. Mm, Interesting. But yeah, so I've been working on converting our website to use Astro. And at first I was very disappointed because I spent like a couple days converting it and I did a side-by-side like web.dev, right? Where you can go and like do this page speed thing now. Yeah, I mean, you can do Lighthouse things within DevTools locally or whatever. Right, I think web.dev uses Lighthouse. Let me check. I'm glad you did your research. I just use things. Yeah, web, web.dev uses um, test your pages in a lab environment powered by PageSpeed Insights. So yeah, it's like yeah. similar tools, but instead of running on your machine, it's in like a controlled lab environment. Okay, well, that makes sense, which would be like, well, you'd have more variables there. You wouldn't be running like, hopefully you're not running just like a dev instance, but your production, right. production build or something. And The scores were initially not great. Like they weren't bad. They were all green. We think we got like a 98 or something, but it was like 1.6 seconds. And I always forget what all of the different things are. I don't, it wasn't like time to first bite. Cause that's quick. It was like 
like largest contentful paint, I think mm. was 1.6 seconds. And on the Nux site, I think it was like two seconds. So like different, but not hugely different. Yeah. And then I realized as I was going line by line through like the report, like basically the lighthouse report that you may have seen, it was loading because I'd used an Astro template and it was loading like Google fonts mm. and that was holding it up for like a second. So I deleted that and it was much, much faster. Oh, okay. There you go. It's probably not quite as fast as if you had literally gone through and written everything in vanilla HTML and CSS. Yeah. But it's pretty dang close. Right. With conveniences. Yeah. So like the only complaint I have so far is there's no kind of image package, which we've gotten used to with like Next.js image or Nuxt image. Yeah. And like those give you a nice way to say, you know, at this screen size, use this size image, generate these different ones, like save bytes, shipping smaller images on smaller devices and stuff. So you can only ship one size image. So we'll have to do just like a really big one so that it's, you know, high quality when we need it. And then we'll be shipping too many bytes. Usually they're working on a package that does all that. So once that's out, I think it will have no downsides if you are doing like a website. You know, if you're doing a very JavaScript heavy app, you probably don't want to use a thing that just pulls all the JavaScript out. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Not good for SaaS products, that kind of thing. No. Right. Which in that arena, then aside from the regular tools that we've been mentioning, uh, the experimentation goes into Remix and, and uh, Redwood JS. Mm-hmm. So it'd be very interesting to see what would be possible there. Yeah, I think Remix could be nice. Not that Redwood won't be nice, but I think Redwood is built to be like, you know, batteries included type of framework. So it's probably going to be pretty big and heavy. Right. So I think for static sites, it's probably not the best choice. But no, no, not at all. But I would like to compare it to Ember for like a dashboard type app or something and see yeah. how that goes. Exactly. Especially the whole ability to have kind of a full stack application there. Mm hmm. So in the way that like Next provides some of that by essentially allowing you to have API routes, so then you're creating your serverless API like right within your application. Mm-hmm. Use some kind of ORM to get your database, get your data, boom, all set. Yeah, we'll learn a lot more about Next here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that, folks. <laughs> yeah, teaser, teaser alert. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a synopsis of the tech things I've been working on recently. What have you been working on? Next JS things and um, actually a lot today, just working on GraphQL in general. It's um, not a new project, so I had nothing to do with the architecture of it, but it's using all things Apollo and then plus plus a couple of layers such as like data loaders, which is not a pattern I'm particularly fond of because it seems to create a little bit of bloat and in um, you end up declaring schema and you have to create models and then you have data loaders around those models and it feels a bit redundant to me. So from a maintenance perspective, there's a whole bunch of extra stuff there. Personally, I'd really like to check out some other big players in the space. It seems like every time I get involved in a GraphQL project, um, they've already put the bets down on Apollo 
and Apollo Studio and things like that, which Apollo Studio gives you some excellent metrics and traces into what's going on and where things are slow. And, you know, even down to like the resolvers for each individual key, things like that. But, and some interesting cash stuff, but at the end of the day, you've like really bought into their way and their ecosystem, and which is I'm sure very intentional, but I've been curious about other things, things uh, around Helios, GraphQL, and the Guild has done a whole bunch of stuff this past year. And, and they have like their version, I think it's called the Hive, which is essentially an open source version of Apollo Studio, like metrics dashboards, and it doesn't cost $8 billion. So that is very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just haven't had a lot of opportunity. I should just build an internal API for us to use on Swatch and yeah. And then maybe we have like our admin dashboard to manage things or see metrics from users, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're tying everything together here, but uh, my first question was going to be, cause you started your spiel with like, I had nothing to do with this architecture. We're using Apollo. So it's going to say like, well, do you not like Apollo? Not really. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's some things there that, that I have not been a fan of their way. So I would like to explore other options. I mean, is this, is this just the way? Not from what I've seen. I mean, there is a number of ways to kind of skin this cat too. And in terms of how you put the schema together, they're doing like a pseudo schema stitching thing instead of Apollo's Federation. So that is somewhat maybe better, not as good. I'm not sure. So from a schema perspective, it's very verbose and, some of the other things they do around caching, I think, could get, I don't know, just more options, I guess. I just like would like some more options in the toolbox. Yeah. I think that's where I'm going with it. Yeah, I think um, I could be 100% wrong in what I'm about to say, but the way that I, as an outsider, kind of see it, and if, just from hearing on like other podcasts how they've dealt with GraphQL and stuff, it seems similar to Ember data-ish, where it's like, we're going to include everything you need and, you know, there's half the stuff you might not use and you might not like the way, you know, like Runspired was saying where they have like, if your API is actually JSON API, you could just delete the serializer because it's doing a lot of extra work. I think there's similar things in Apollo where it's like, you know, you may actually only need to just get the vanilla responses back and forth. Like you're doing 100% compliant GraphQL stuff and you don't need all this extra sugar and like you could delete it. Like I forget who was saying it on, it might've been on the Syntax podcast with uh, Wes Boss and Scott Talinsky. I think it was maybe one of them. It was either that or Shop Talk with uh, Chris Coyer and I'm blanking on who the other guy is on there. <laughs> and other guy. Sorry, other guy. I'm sure he's just as important, but I, I don't remember his name right now. But one of them was saying like they were shipping Apollo and it was such a huge package and they weren't using anything. And they just basically wrote their own thing that was like, hey, here's GraphQL. Give it to me and like I'll give it to you and we'll just use the it, I think it was like a 40 line thing they said they wrote. Yeah. And it just works. The, you can kind of patch together your own like using things like envelope and trying to remember again like I, since i haven't really been able to use them i'm not overly familiar but uh yeah there's there's ways to sort of like patch together what you need and i think you're probably not far off base there but i think we should put a pin in that conversation because when we have charles and taras on 
I think that is a good time to like dive into questions and, and um, you know, the, the guts of what's going on in those, in those packages. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Do we have any other tech topics? Hmm. Tech. I mean, tech is such a like wide berth of things. I'm continuing to try and figure out what web three things are, but not in a way where I can, um, like have a meaningful conversation around, or <laughs> I need to just make, again, it comes back to the same thing. Like I need to try and make something. And then when I make something then I'll probably have like a better grounding on how to talk about it or how to even ask smart questions about it. Right. So. Well, this wasn't on my list of things to talk about, but I have a thing that somewhat straddles both tech and whatnot. Have you heard of um, the play date? Only in real life. My daughter had a play date yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's this little thing that looks like a Game Boy, kind of. Hmm. And it has like, yeah, like the D-pad, a couple buttons and like a crank. And I always thought when I saw it initially, the crank was like to charge it or something. Yeah. But the crank is actually a thing you can use in games. I don't know. Maybe like the obvious one's like a fishing game or something, I guess, if you were like right. reeling it in. But their whole thing is like you can code your own games and stuff. Hmm. So they have over-the-air updates, I think, where monthly you get a new game, but you can also like make as many of your own as you want and stuff. So oh. I don't know a ton about it, but I pre-ordered it. So Okay. <laughs> we'll see. You would recommend thus far? Uh, yeah, so like hackery things that you can get into. Yeah, I always want to do more like raspberry pi projects i'm interested in like arduino things create my own switches and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but uh you know time always ends up being pretty challenging there yeah yeah time is a funny thing yeah, yeah. i had home assistant deployed for a little while in my house but uh, i was trying to use z-wave connectivity and based on like the l shape of my house and where i wanted to put some of these sensors and stuff it was uh not great and then it was always going offline and then you have to reboot or do some updates or I just found the maintenance not to be that exciting. Um, so, and then like things that just don't just work. It's kind of like I used to build my own computers and then I discovered Apple and it just worked <laughs> and didn't have like constant security updates and stuff like that. And so it was just like, well, I mean, why would I do that now? Why would I spend extra yeah. hours every week just making my computer work? Never look back. Yeah, I used to do crazy stuff. Like, yeah, I would definitely build computers because you can't really install OS X on a built computer unless you like really specifically pick out your parts for a Hackintosh. It would usually be Windows or I would do like a Linux distro on it. Mm -hmm. And I used to love doing stupid shit like installing Arch Linux that has no user interface by default. So you have to like, use all command line and install all these things. And like, I don't know, that used to be fun to me. And now I'm just like, why would you ever do that? That takes <laughs> so much time. You want a DOS throwback, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. My first computer ever was like a little Atari computer with like actual floppy disks that you'd plug into a TV. It didn't have a monitor, just use the TV. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I played a bunch of those like word adventure games, like Zork. You're in a dark hallway. <laughs> You have an envelope in your hand, you know, that kind of thing. I thought Zork had graphics. Uh, no, not the ones that I played. 
maybe they came out with versions later that were graphical, but this was definitely like I had a couple of different like Zork one, Zork two or something. Let's see. I remember a long time ago discovering a website where you could like basically use the website like one of those old computers, all command prompt stuff and and uh I think it was called like Telnet or something. I don't know. I don't remember, but then you could play Zork on there. Hmm. Yeah. Should have bookmarked that one. Zork with graphics. Let's see. Graphical remix. Zork without graphics. When's Zork coming back? So we're on a gaming theme right now. I've been, so I have Stadia. I don't know if you ever tried that. The Google Stadia. I have, but it requires good internet. So not for me. It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> definitely does that. So I have tried that once here at my co-working space and a good internet. I mean, I'm surprised I can do this podcast here, to be honest. All kinds of connectivity issues all the time. It's just like kind of crazy. But yeah, I mean, in general, I really enjoy Stadia because it is doesn't require a console. And when I got in, I bought FIFA, of course, because it's pretty much all I play. And because I spent so much on like certain games, they send me a free Stadia controller and and uh, the Chromecast Ultra or whatever it was. So it had like Stadia mm-hmm. built into it. So I got that for the TV. You can play it on my laptop, can play it on my iPad. So it's kind of on the go too. I don't know. I, I have been enjoying it. but I like the idea, but I think it's, it's just not quite there yet. And I mean, of course, it, at my house, I get like nine Mbps. So it's not, not going to work there. Yeah. But yeah, I really like the idea of, you know, I can use one controller, right? And I could use it either on a TV or on my laptop or on like a phone and like just play the same games. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So one day. Yeah, I enjoy that a lot. Maybe it'll be good for the co-working space once that's all networked up. Should have a very fast connection. Well, we have a pretty fast connection now, or at least down. We have a gig down and then it's like... 12 up or something mm. so it's like really slow up but we're gonna have 500 up and down very soon nice yeah the only problem with uh with having that slow of an up is that part of stadia like the thing that can that's the worst about slower connections because like most of it is fine here at the office but because the controller inputs are sent out and then like it has to react mm-hmm. like on the server so if you have delays and you're up, then you're going to like hit a button and expect like to immediately shoot the guy or shoot the ball or whatever. And then there'll be a delay there and then it's terrible. Yeah, that was my experience with it. Even with a, I tried it at my parents' house and their Internet's OK. I think they maybe have like 50. So like hmm. it should be enough. But even then, because, you know, all the graphics and stuff are rendered elsewhere. And I don't know, it just felt clunky. It didn't feel quite polished yet Mm. hopefully they continue to invest in the ecosystem i think it's pretty cool i think it's a lot of potential it's kind of fun it sort of kept me off my switch for a while although i've been on the fence about selling that for a bit and then i kind of waited because i was curious about the new metroid which does look cool but apparently not enough for me to buy it the side scroll like old school one or yeah they know they have the it is still kind of scrolly but it's new it's um forget what it's called. It just came out like a couple months ago. Yeah, but I mean, um, not like Metroid Prime, like the old, um, I guess, old and newer relative, right? There was a GameCube one that was like first person and you were running around and it was more adventure Yeah, so it can be a bit more like that. And But like 
the originals are more side scrolly third person. Yeah. And so this is mostly side scrolly, but then does have like some particular like I think it's more like animations in between. I played the demo briefly, but it's called Metroid Dread. And it looks interesting, but not enough to like fully compel me away from FIFA or VR or whatever else. Yeah. But I think I'm just hanging on by a thread for Breath of the Wild 2. Oh yeah. I was gonna say, like, you have to have a Nintendo just for the Zelda games. <laughs> exactly. hundred percent. So I can imagine myself playing uh, the original again as I think it's coming out at the end of this year. Two? If I remember right. It's like December 2022. Yeah. They had a, a uh, like an update video. Do you think it's like Christmas time or it's like the beginning of the month? I want to say probably around Christmas time. I think it's like as long as possible, basically. Mm-hmm. It'll help their next wave of purchases. And since they've had supply chain issues too, right? they're not going to rush and push it out now when you can't get the system. But yeah, so I'm hanging on for that. Looking forward to that. I have been taking a VR break because it is hazardous to one's health. <laughs> I guess I will do the public reveal on, on that. I mentioned briefly to Ravi a couple of weeks ago or so, I was playing uh, VR with my brother. Uh, sometimes we would jump on and do parties in like rec room or um, echo VR, which is kind of like some weird futuristic, like disc throwing flying game with teams. And so it can be kind of fun. And uh, I got my just do on periodically making fun of him when I would hear on his end, (laughs) like he jumps up and hits his hand on like a ceiling fan or runs into a wall (laughs) or whatever. And I'm like, ha, silly you. And, you know, I set up my guardian in a decent sized space. But what I learned is that if you set up the guardian all the way like to the edge of, of obstacles and then run in that direction, you don't have enough time to see the red and stop. Right. So we were playing uh, Rec Room, playing like some disc golf. And then later we were playing this like no gravity racquetball-like thing. And we started to actually get the hang of it and we following back and forth. And so, uh, you know, you're moving really fast. And then like one was required a bit of a lunge. And I like ran into this like shelf desky thing that we have in our bedroom so it has like three different shelves, but they're at different lengths because it's kind of leaning on the wall and smashed like my face on one part, hit me like in the stomach. And then the, like, the biggest part hit me right in the thigh. And I have this still have this massive bruise <laughs> today. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I just had to reassess for a little while. I was like, OK, you know, I need to I'd hurt a bunch. I'm going to take a little break here and I'm just going to get back to FIFA and sitting on my butt. Yeah, that's how I do VR is I do the sitting one Mm. but i feel like it's not as it feels weird you get more of the like disorientation because you're not moving the direction the things are moving yeah so your body isn't like assimilating in any way if you're not yeah yeah i try to like walk and move as much as i can i've seen videos where people are doing them in like large spaces like a gymnasium or something and that would be pretty cool yeah you'd have so much space don't they make like treadmills? I've heard that. So you can continuously walk and, and move forward in the game and stuff. Yeah, I've heard that. And so like it kind of gets triggered on when you start moving or something. Mm-hmm. That might be excessive for me and my gaming needs. It's always like time allows like a handful of things on minimal repeat once or twice a week. So Yeah, I mean, I don't think that stuff will ever take off until 
we get to the point where people literally aren't taking the goggles off ever. Right. Yeah. Cause then you've got to move around some. So you'll do like this immersive actual walk around thing. But yeah, I mean, right now video games are, how can I just lay down and not do much? <laughs> <laughs> that essentially amounts to TV shows for me. I started watching uh, Peacemaker. I don't know if you hadn't seen the Suicide Squad film. Nope. John Cena plays the character Peacemaker, which is kind of a ironic name for how his character ends up acting, but not realizing that he's not so into peace and is like very violent. And then there's this campy spitoff TV show now on HBO Max. Highly recommended. Is it still John Cena? It's still John Cena. Ooh, Say no more. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like John Cena. He's a funny guy. You don't even really need to bother with the, uh, with the movie if you don't want to. Like You can get right into it, and it is very entertaining. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, I'm going to get the, uh, the John Cena theme song for the episode Smackdown next week. Oh. <laughs> so I'm going to like have an intro that's like... Uh -huh. In the red corner and like introduce everybody oh, wow. and be like, <laughs> it's going to be good. Have you coached our guests and that we are you know, going to be setting it up in this way of, I was going to go more of the debate way. Nope. It's more fun if you don't. <laughs> okay. I was going to go more of the debate way, you know, like wear a Navy blazer and like very Ivy league kind of set up and say the question and set it up more like a debate, but. Well, I think the actual content should be more debate-like, mm, okay. but just the fact that I've already named it the WWW Smackdown, like I'm going all in on the intro on that. Yeah. I mean, if you need any props or assistance, feel free to reach out to my brother. He is uh, a 37 year old man who is still very obsessed with wrestling, uh, <laughs> attending events, watching things. I'm certain it hasn't hindered his dating life. And I will let him know that I said these things on a podcast that somebody listens to, as far as I know. We're, yeah, we're at like two to three hundred ish people listening right now. That seems reasonable. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that we are interesting enough for like 10,000 people to listen to. So I'm happy with two to three hundred. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Have you seen these flat caps? True, true. When's the new Peaky Blinders season coming out? That's the real question. That's an excellent question. I have no idea. And the thing is, is that when the next seasons come out, because I need to be like, I basically need like a warm up before I like start diving in to a bunch of those episodes, because it takes me probably one or two episodes worth to get back into the swing where I understand what they're saying because their accents are so deep. Yeah. And so I go back and we'll watch one or two old ones first so that I can be like, okay, because I know what's happening. And then I can like, all right, yeah, now I got it. Now I can do new stuff. Otherwise I'll just be lost for one or two episodes of new stuff. Yeah. When I started like the first couple episodes, I just threw subtitles on so that I could read mm -hmm. and like learn what they were saying. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense too. I probably would simplify things, but they have like so much time in between seasons. Mm -hmm. mm. It's a lot of good TV on. I think the current or the, the new one, whenever it comes out, what has been delayed for like a year or two from COVID stuff, I think. Right. Peaky Blinders season six release date. Let's see what it says. I mean, uh, two days ago, it says, I don't think they know. I know that Ozark's next season is coming soon. 
So I think they did this with Breaking Bad back in the day. Like they release, I don't know, eight episodes. And then like six months later, they released like six more. Mm, yeah. Is it going to be like that? Or are they going to try to make two full seasons out of like the last quote unquote season? Probably. Because um, that's exactly what Game of Thrones did. Yeah. Right. They would split it up between the beginning and the end of the year. Really try and lure you in. So I can see that, especially on like your last season. It kind of makes no sense on Netflix, right? There's no ads. There's no reason to keep me around longer, right? Unless you're wanting me to watch other stuff while I'm waiting for the second half to come out, I guess. Perhaps, yeah. Like if you've paused Netflix or if you've been like, you know, diving into another platform for a while, I'm not that savvy on things. I never, oh, spend a bunch of time on Netflix. Okay, now I'm going to pause this subscription while I do HBO max for two months or something like that. I'm not, I'm not that savvy. I don't manage them all. So unfortunately we just yeah. have them all. I just pay for all of them and lose lots of money. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that I sort of like trade logins on are associated with soccer. So it's like, I have Peacock, you have CBS sports and someone else has like ESPN plus and everything's like switched out depending on the competition. So then we'll all trade Yeah, for that stuff. But Sports are weird. Like, so I pretty much only watch college sports and they'll do a blackout in the area and they'll be like, okay, you have to have this channel to watch it. Right. Right. Okay, cool. That's I'm fine with that. As long as you allow me to buy that channel. Right. But there's no way I can get that channel online or on dish or on like anything, which sounds wrong. Like if you want to do that, you should have a streaming app or something that's like, okay, it's blacked out, but you can stream it directly from us for like five bucks. Right. I would do that, but there's like, nope, can't watch it. I think lots of people do that. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's a bunch of legalities in terms of like purchasing rights to certain things that like close off that option, but it seems really dumb. Like don't close it off to me if I want to consume. And this is how all those like pirated sites end up popping up. Oh, yeah. I go to like streamgamesonline.com.co.uk.fake.virus.net and yeah. I still can't stream it. It still doesn't work. <laughs> oh, bummer. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time for European soccer competitions that I had to rely on that a lot just because there weren't a lot of rights here and then it would still be blocked off. And yeah, I didn't have an outlet. So one of these crazy sites, you just keep clicking, keep clicking, keep clicking links until you found one that actually worked. And then you'd have like 50 ads all over it. And I, you know, being the smart developer, I could go in there and delete all those divs <laughs> and then try to watch the show. But yeah, it was just such a pain and it doesn't really make any sense for someone who just, I just want to stream this thing. Let me pay you money. Yeah. I guess it's about like who gets the money in the end, but yeah, it's all dumb. Meh. I'm definitely waiting to catch up on lots and lots of shows when I'm inevitably up all hours of the night with the new baby coming soon. So yeah, (laughs) got a lot of stuff in the queue. Perfect. Time off from coding and time on to doing basically that. Yes. Yeah. So Boba Fett is the book of Boba Fett on your, your list. It definitely is. I was telling Caitlin cause she doesn't watch any of the star Wars shows or whatever. So I was like, it's like, yeah, I've got to really got to watch this Star Wars show before the next Star Wars show comes out so that I can catch up on the Star Wars show. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. Obi-Wan, I don't know, that comes yeah. out this year. Yeah, there's more Mandalorian. Yeah, you've got, mm-hmm. I have so many now. It's like, 
fantasy shows that I have to basically watch on my own. So anything Marvel, pretty much watch on my own. Anything Star Wars, pretty much watch on my own. Mm -hmm. And now I have some of these DC things um, just through HBO Max that I've been started getting into. So now I have the DC Universe, watch on my own. Aren't they losing the DC stuff, though? I haven't heard that, but maybe. Because like Warner Media owns it, right? And I think they were taking it back. Hmm. I don't know. I thought all of that, like AT&T, Time Warner, all of that, because of the merger, that's why they have everything. So are they breaking off? I don't know. I, something was happening to where I, maybe they were doing another like Warner specific um, streaming or something. I don't know what was happening, but I remember reading like, if you like this DC content, like watch it soon on HBO because you're, you're not going to get it forever. Hmm. I have not heard that at all. I don't know. Google doesn't see anything around that. So maybe, maybe not. Hard to say. For now, you can consume it all there. I just want the Marvel stuff to come back, like all the shows, like Daredevil and yeah, all of those were so good. Yeah. It was like the number three show Daredevil was. I don't think it was even streaming. It was just like of all shows. And then they were like, oh, like, you know, we're Netflix. We can't talk to Disney enough to like make a deal. So we'll just cancel it. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> And then invest in their own stuff. Hard, hard to say, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, that was a pretty great show, actually. Mm-hmm. I watched all those. Luke Cage was good. Yeah, enjoyed that too. Was it like Iron Fist or whatever was the other one? Iron Fist was not as good. Jessica, I didn't watch that one. The- Jessica Jones, yeah, that one was good. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. But- when those were out, I had more time. Now, I mm. all I watch... Literally all I've watched in the last like six months is Law and Order. Cause like every week or so I'll watch like an episode or two. (laughs) Do you watch Law and Order at all? I don't. And what, but what's funny about it is like this morning as I was like going through some stuff and I'll sometimes like put on a podcast and I was listening to the Tim Ferriss one with uh, Sarah Silverman and she loves TV. And he's like, what's your like go to if like nothing else, like, you know, the tried and true. And she said like law and order and she called it like soft core murder. You get like the murder mystery thing, but they don't really show blood and nothing's too violent. And that's true. Yeah. But so, um, law and order SVU is on its 23rd season and it's been out since like 1995 or something. So it, it was getting boring. It was more about like, Oh, the, the main characters like son is like, having conflicts at school or like stupid shit, like not interesting, (laughs) but then, so they brought back you. I'm sure you've seen an episode or two of law and order SVU, right? Yeah. At some point in my life, like visiting my mom or something. And she would like watch that stuff. Yeah. So there was the old school guy was stabler and he would just beat everyone. Like he'd be like, Oh, you raped someone. Okay. Turn off the cameras. I'm going to beat you. Like it was fun when he was on. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, (laughs) then he's back now with his own show. And they cross over like every episode and SVU is like, oh yeah, SVU is supposed to be about sex crimes. Well, actually like there's all this mob stuff and everyone just killed each other and there's no sex crimes. So we're going to do an SVU episode anyway. <laughs> like it's really fun now. Like I would recommend hmm. the latest seasons to anyone that hasn't caught up. And uh, to the layman, you say you could just jump in at any point. Oh yeah. You're just like, oh, I don't need context. I just get in there. Nope. All right. Nope. They're all self-contained. Fair enough. It's a little, little uh, nugget. 
just a little nugget of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. So next week we're getting our Tesla. Hmm. Very nice. We were supposed to get it in April and mm-hmm. they emailed me last week and we're like, Hey, here's all your pickup instructions, whatever. But they didn't tell me I was getting it. They were just like, here's the instructions when you pick it up. I'm like, all right, cool. Like I'll remember that in April. And they're like, Oh no, no. Like it's now. So <laughs> yeah. Magic. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a one car household for a little while. So to come back into the twofold. Well, we're going to continue to be one because we're trading in the Range Rover for the Tesla. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. And then you have a broken old truck. So someday you'll be it too. You can't have two incredibly expensive cars. I mean, the truck is getting more expensive, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But whenever I get it back, I'm going to drive that and Kaylin will drive the Tesla most of the time. Which makes sense because you will be a father before you know it. And mm-hmm. safety is of uh, issue, I think, in the truck. So <laughs> no baby seat in there. Yeah. I mean, Caitlin, as a pregnant woman, cannot ride in the truck right now because it's too bouncy and unsafe. Mm. And then you probably don't want a newborn in something like that. So, yeah, it's my getting to and from the office vehicle. I don't know. You'd be surprised. The vibrations will calm babies and then all of a sudden they're just sleeping the whole time. Oh, true. I mean, that runs in my genes. My mom and I both are like, you get a car moving and we're asleep. Mm. So Interesting. I'm always the driver, so that would be dangerous. Well, I also, as I think I've told you, fell asleep driving a van and flipped it over. So like, I also fall asleep as the van, as the driver, as the driver. Yeah. So you have a history there. Any road trip, do not recruit Robbie. Nope. Unless you want to have naps every 30 minutes. <laughs> like I just, I stop at like exits and just nap and then go again. All right. Well, you know, you do you. <laughs> no, Caitlin just drives. Cause we, we don't want to take that long. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I can't have this. Let's go. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the last whatnot thing I've been working on, the uh, co-working space is opening very soon. Uh, I mean, I guess it's been open, but like, you know, we're going to announce it now that we have like everything is painted, all the furniture is mostly in. We got some logos. We're like feeling legit now. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's been in existence because the ten- current tenants, there's only like two, right? Some- mm-hmm. Two and me. Two and you. So, yeah, we don't count you. You're not. You're the janitor. Yeah. <laughs> so the two tenants that are there have been there. and They just want a dedicated office space. But otherwise, the conversion is now open to others. Right. And that'd be pretty exciting. Yeah. 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 And, and just to keep me doing things I should be doing. When this episode comes out, you guys can go to 1787.work and there will be a website there advertising what <laughs> what we have here. So if you're anywhere near the Middleburg area and want really fast internet, we got you covered. The casual Middleburg visitor who also listens to our podcast, um, if those things are true for you, yeah, pop in. I mean, I don't even think Sam listens to our podcast and he's like the one kind of tech guy in Middleburg that I know of. Yeah, who may or may not stop by and be a part of the co-working space. We'll see. Yeah. If you stop by, we'll make you a special NFT. Yep. Which lets you try one of our, one of the whiskeys you've heard on the podcast, if we still have it. Yeah. So we do need to actually probably do that. It, whether it's, you know, this 
big NFT project or not, we should get a way that people, like if you're in the Phoenix area or you're in somewhere near Middleburg and you want to try any of these whiskeys, we have so much whiskey, like please come by. (laughs) There it is. That's the project. Okay. So anyone who becomes a 1787 member gets an NFT so they can buy a pass. And there are, yes, there we go. Here's our, this is our blockchain project. We can experiment and learn something. Finally have a purpose. It's all about your special purpose. And I think I finally found it. <laughs> so if you have to be a member of the co-working space to be able to buy an NFT mm. and that NFT gives you access to the whiskey. Yes, I think something like that. Or just a member of 1787. And what we'll do is we'll have a tier that is like virtual member. Right. So you don't actually have to like go to Middleburg and be a part of the space and like pay for all the other things. It's kind of like the recur pass, I think, that I had shared with you, which is like you buy this pass that is an NFT that gives you the opportunity to do other things like buy other NFTs and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, virtual membership. And then real members will also get like this NFT as their pass. Yeah. I'm working it all out live. We should have a whiskey membership NFT. It doesn't necessarily have to be coordinated to the co-working space, but maybe there's like a special crossover there or something. So I, I didn't originate this idea. This is a Kevin Rose thing. So him and Tim Ferriss have this random podcast episode every so often, a couple times a year. And the way that Kevin Rose explained that a way to utilize the technology is like when you're a member of a wine club. Right. You're essentially an email on a list and people, they accept so many. And then like there are people that are on a wait list to become a member of said wine club if somebody drops out. But it's just basically like first come, first serve. Mm-hmm. And there's no commodity to that, though. You just drop off and then they pick up next one. But if you could have it, your membership as an NFT, and now it's a commodity that you can say one day, OK, this is a really hot winery. Tons of people want to get into it. I can put it up auction style. I can flat sell it, whatever else, to a specific individual willing to pay me a certain amount of money. And the way that NFTs can work is that the winery themselves could get a percentage of that sale, Mm -hmm. sell it to that person, they get the membership. And then obviously the utility is I can buy wines and I get, you know, whatever, a seasonal shipment or something like that. Yeah, I like that. We should definitely do that for whiskeys. And if you're a holder, you'll get our new barrel pick we're going to do soon. Mm-hmm. And we'll send those out to everyone. But then if you're, yeah, like you can, you know, if we become, for some reason, the authority on whiskey, you should be able to <laughs> sell it to someone else, right? And be like, sure. Hey, these guys know their stuff. Come try their stuff. They basically would be paying for our expertise in that realm. And then, yeah, I like it. Okay. I'm going to work on that. Yeah. And uh, for lack of imagination, it's the 1787 membership. Okay. Home base. I like it. We got branding. I mean, just roll with it. All right. Well, we're over time. We talked about a bunch of random shit. So that's what we do. I guess we're done. Yeah. (laughs) You've heard enough of us. Yeah. Stay tuned for other voices. Yeah. We have so many guests coming up. I'm not going to name drop any, not only because I can't remember half of them, but also because I want you to be surprised. But yeah. We have a lot of people coming up, so stay tuned and see who's coming in in the coming weeks. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. 
If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.